You're listening to End of the Line on WRIR 97.3 FM Richmond. End of the Line is an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. I'm Whitney Whiting. We have never seen this kind of uprising of people in this state on an environmental issue. I've been working on these issues for over 35 years and I have never seen this kind of effort. I've never seen this kind of unity. And that is important and I think they recognize this. I had already told my husband three years ago that if I had to go into a tree, I was gonna go into a tree. And then when I heard about them going up in the trees, then I was like, oh, God bless them. Stop them any way you can. Hi, this is Emily Satterwhite in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm trying to reach Governor Northam to ask him why he's allowing Mountain Valley Pipeline representatives to cut trees on private property after the March 31st deadline. Please. Take care of Red and her family and their land. At the time of this recording, a 61-year-old woman named Red has been sitting in a tree to protest the Mountain Valley Pipeline and to protect her family's home on Benton Mountain for over two weeks. The Roanoke County Police are refusing her access to food and water unless she comes down from her tree. Now, Red is gaining support not just from local neighbors and friends, but from delegates and senators representing districts as far away as Arlington. They, along with people across the state, are calling on Governor Northam to intervene. And I appreciate y'all coming here for the environment and for clean water, but also appreciate your being here for Red, a courageous woman who's doing what is traditional in America, nonviolent protests. She's climbed this, this tree, and she's being treated in an inhumane fashion by not giving her food and water. Mm -hmm. We hope and we urge the governor to do everything in his power and the DEQ to do everything in their power to do a conduct a full on the ground stream by stream analysis of Mountain Valley and the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. Also please look into what's happening with the felling of trees as it relates to the Migratory Bird Act as well as the Endangered Species Act. That's right, yes. Today. Right now. Thank you for your activism. Thank you for what you've done. Thank and you I stand with Red. Thank you very much. That was Delegate Alfonso Lopez of the 49th District in Northern Virginia, one of a coalition of legislators who are now speaking out against both the Mountain Valley and Atlantic Coast pipelines. The press conference was called a milestone by those attending and a game changer by journalist John Sokolow, who helped organize the effort. Dominion and EQT would have you believe that this is a done deal. They've been saying it's a done deal before Never it was is. a deal. Okay, well we need to say clearly, and everybody here I know agrees, these pipelines can be stopped, they should be stopped, and they will be stopped! We're going to take the time we have in this abbreviated episode to present a series of voices from those who have been and continue to resist the Mountain Valley and Atlantic Coast pipelines in various ways and for so many different reasons. For the most part, they offer moments of reflecting on where resistance takes root and how so many people from across the region have found each other in this fight. 
First is Fern Eccles of Giles County, whom I spoke to in late February with her husband Earl and fellow pipeline fighter, Maury Johnson. I don't think I've even said this to my husband, but now he'll get to hear, but this is the way I feel. And you all can agree or you can disagree. This pipeline has not been, to me, my personal feeling, all in vain. I have got to meet wonderful people, and I love people. And we have a wonderful lawyer. And, and honestly, I mean, I've often thought, when this pipeline is over, am I going to be sad? Yes, I am, because I won't get to see these people, and I won't get to hug these people. But that's the way I feel. I wouldn't have got to meet you today without this pipeline, and I've met him many times. I think about the people I know, the people who I've come in contact with, the people that are around me, and I think, wow, is it just coincidental that we are all here together at this point in our planet's evolution? I don't know. You know, that's, that's a question that I have. It doesn't seem... It's uncanny that we're all that we're all here now. And then I think, well, at other points in, um, in history, has that, I mean, does that always happen? I don't know. I just know about now and here. I would never have met everyone that I've met <laughs> in the last month of my life. I would never have met any of them. Like, people that at face value I would be afraid of or at face value, like, I would dismiss. The fact that I'm not only meeting them, but coming into a relationship of trust, um, coming into a, uh, a shared experience of the world, this is not just like a Hallmark card, <laughs> you know? Like, this, this is new relationships being formed, and this is the very thing that these corporations that the system at large, um, that the, the order as it predominates us, um, uh, wants to disallow, is our coming together, um, is our unification, um, especially across differences. One, one of the strongest tools of the oppressors, of, of those who, who seek to exploit and dominate um, an act of violence against people um, is separation. It is the disunity of the people that allows for the, for, for the power of the corporations, for the power of the ruling class, um, for the power of the few over the majority. I, I, think, I think that what is happening here that is truly powerful beyond just resisting this pipeline um, is that in a active attack against the people a, a pipeline that works to benefit virtually no one here and, 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 and strictly to benefit the corporations that are building this pipeline to, to continue the expansion of profit for them in that attack, what is actually occurring beneath all of that is these bonds being formed in, in, a, in, a, in a 
in an attempt to dominate us, in an attempt to seize people's livelihoods, to seize people's happiness, their lives themselves, in an attempt to undermine their ability to, to be well um, and to be free, what is occurring is people coming together, sharing that experience um, and finding each other. You can, I think we're getting surveyed. Yeah. Surveyors are coming and I don't have my phone. Oh yeah, I do. Anyway, there's a carpet of these everywhere. Claytonia. It's a wonderful, fragile, vulnerable little wildflower. And I think, from my thinking, it's a real symbol for this land. The fragility, the vulnerability. I think they're going to find that, at the very least, people are banding together and they're helping each other out. And that's basically, it's not just the history of Bent Mountain, that's the history of really all of the Appalachian Mountains. Does anybody need a red bandana? I've got a bunch of Stand with red! Stand with red! Stand with red! Red's a good color. Red is a color of energy, and the unions used it in bandanas, and the teacher strike used it when their red t-shirts along the streets as they picketed. It is, not, it is not easy for Appalachians, for West Virginians to, to forget how the state and how big industry has consistently pillaged and attempted to take everything from them, uh, and yet they survive, and yet they keep moving forward, um, which is interesting because I think there's a lot of analysis that points to, for some folks in certain situations, survival itself is resistance because so many people want you to die, you know, because they want to take your resources and everything that you need to live. Uh, and, and just that survival is resistance. But West Virginians have wanted more than that and have made more than that for themselves in, in being determined to resist the state and resist big industry. Yeah, we are just another, another tick, you know, in a line of folks who will continue to fight for revolution. If you're just tuning in, you're catching End of the Line, an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. In many of my talks with pipeline fighters, our conversation naturally leads to the challenges of facing not one, but two high-pressure fracked gas pipelines in the midst of spiraling climate change and other systemic issues of late-stage capitalism. Jenny Chapman, resident of Bent Mountain, had an interesting response to this. No, I'm not depressed at all. No, I am not depressed by it one bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, ma'am. Um, I have thought, and this is going to sound a little crazy, but I think it's such a privilege to be here now. It is, because these are challenging times. But we have a chance to really stand up and make a difference or not make a difference. Maybe we'll, you know, maybe that won't happen. But, but we have a chance to really stand for something, and work for uh, the betterment of our world. I'm grateful for that. I don't know where the, it'll all end up, but I'm grateful for this opportunity and. For
for the fact that there are so many people shoulder to shoulder like me who feel that, hey, that's exciting. There are currently three ongoing tree sits in the path of the Mountain Valley Pipeline, the first of which has been in place for almost two months at the time of this recording. And on Bent Mountain, a mother named Red and her daughter Minor have been sitting in trees for almost two weeks. I asked Minor whether she expected all the support they've received. From, from my community, absolutely, because we've banded together from the start of this, but to read the comments from people um, all over the United States has definitely been um, amazing. You know, you've got, you've got um, negative people out there, but I try, to, I try to ignore those and instead focus on the people from all over the coast that are sending solidarity. One of the tree sitters from Peters Mountain Stand talked about how support initially grew out of a response to the legal actions taken against them by the Mountain Valley Pipeline to have them removed from the trees. Court support, I think, started um, like this fire with the locals, um, and the locals are in. Like, I remember getting sent up a bunch of different post-it notes that were from court, and I, I've hung them up inside of here because they really provide me so much motivation um, and, like, remind me that this isn't... It can get lonely up here, you know? So it reminds you, like, those little things, like the people, the visitors. Um, it's just so big for morale, and it reminds you of this, like, larger picture that, like, there is this whole resistance, um, and it's not just this isolated sit up here. Well, I feel like the support would come with knowledge. I found that even people in Roanoke have no idea about this pipeline or that it's coming through or what it's doing or that it will affect them, that it will affect their water and their property values and their sight lines and the tourist dollars that come in. A lot of this just comes from education. Um, I feel like MVP has on purpose, put out misleading information, and people have gobbled it up. They they fight back at us saying, well, you drive a car that uses gas, don't you? Not understanding that this is a completely different gas that's being moved from point A to point B, and that this is imminent domain abuse. I, I could almost understand this if this were going to be a gas line that would in fact benefit my community and my neighbors in Roanoke. I could almost understand if it were power lines or something along those lines, but it's not. It's a private corporation doing this for monetary gain. But you know that. But there are many people out there that don't. I wait up at night. I can't, if I wake up, I can't go back to sleep and I pipeline and meditate a lot in the night, and it's a lot of this stuff that, and I honestly, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm going to have to move from my home. And now the pipeline will tell you, which is true, dear, I am not giving them no downgrade. They will tell you, we do not take people's homes. I've, I've heard that. I've been cut off short to tell me that. And they do not take my home, but honey, they make it to where I can't stay there. 
I told my lawyer this week, I said, honey, you're going to have to tell us something to do because we haven't been told anything here. And I said, Steve, me and Earl don't even, he laughed because he knows I'm off of the wall. He said, I said, Steve, me and Earl haven't even been given a hard hat to set up in this construction site, so we're going to have to know something. And so I feel like once they do just a little bit of research, they'll realize that this is such a horrible thing and we'll, I don't know, hopefully join the calls, spread more information, talk to people in government, write to FERC and DEQ and MVP and stage more protests, understand why we are staging protests and why we are doing this. Like, it's not just to protect my home. Yes, that that sounds selfish. But if a corporation can all can use eminent domain in this abusive manner, what's to stop them to continue to do that? A tiny sliver of me is hopeful that the entire project will just go away. I know it probably won't. There's already been a bunch of money invested into it from the backer side, but um, a friend of mine used the phrase, uh, death by a thousand cuts, and I think that's apt. You are destroying my home for profits. I have zero sympathy for you, and I'm not the only one that feels that way. The more that we can take these moments um, and of, of violence, take these moments of um, injustice, of separation, and turn them into the potential for unification, for power, for shared power, um, we turn that effort back upon our oppressors. Well, what I think that they're not taking into account is that the land's going to fight back. This is not going to be an easy thing for them. It's going to be, some of this terrain is so steep you can't walk it, and they want to bring in large pieces of equipment and blast through it. They should know that they're going to have the entire community watching every single step that they make. I, I love this mountain. It's my home. It always has been. I am. Um, when I started dating my boyfriend, I told him that I plan to live up here, and if he wanted to continue to date me, he was going to have to move up here with me. So he did. And now I'm trying to get all of my friends to move up here. So I just, I want to share my mountain with people, but I want to share it as it is now, not with a buried pipeline. More to come in the next episode of End of the Line. End of the Line is produced by Whitney Whiting with help from listeners and pipeline fighters across the state. Subscribe on iTunes or find all episodes on soundcloud.com slash pipeline podcast. Music by Restroy. Find the full EP at milkfactoryproductions.bandcamp.com. Additional music by Lobo Marino. Find them on lobomarinomusic.com. Just what you